This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Good. All right, that was a powerful time of worship this morning, and uh, I'm okay if we just stick with worship and we don't have to listen to the word, right? Um, and so good to see each and every one of you this morning. If you are new here, my name is Pastor Sonia, and I get to serve here at Commission, so welcome. We're so glad that you could join us. Um, it's a rare occasion that I'm up here speaking as my husband is the lead pastor, Pastor Oshish, and he usually brings the word, but unfortunately, he had to be out of the country today uh, or this past week due to the death of his grandmother, and so God willing, he'll be joining with us this week, and he had sent his love and his regards to each and every one of you. He is watching right now from India. So hello, Ash, we love you. We miss you. Come back soon so you don't put me in this situation again. And I can't wait for you to be back so you can take over from the kids. Amen. Um, But you know, God is good because I think he really knew that I needed a, a, a break. He knew that I needed a rest this week, even though it was kind of chaotic with the kids being home from school. But that was one less thing that I had to worry about. Us parents know that getting kids ready for school is a task. And I have two kids that are in schools at two different schools at two different times. So I would have to wake up really early to get Michaela ready and then come back and then get Rizzy ready and then come back and then I would have to start work. I only had to do that on Monday, but then he shut the rest of it week down, and I got to be able to sleep in and enjoy. God is good. Amen? He definitely knew what I needed, but I want to take a moment and brag on my church family for a moment, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your prayers and support this week to our families, um, you know, as we were going through that loss, but more importantly, as he left each and every one of you that have reached out to me, checking up on me. Some of y'all said, I'm going to bother you each and every day. It was such an honor to see that text, making sure that I had groceries. Y'all were willing to risk your lives for me to go to the grocery store, uh, you know, making sure that I had food. So really, really, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, church family. We really felt, felt that, you know, um, your presence and your prayers. And I also want to take a moment and thank my mom for being here. She was able to come a short notice on a Sunday night. She quickly made that decision to come in and she was here to help me this week with the kids. So I wanna brag on my mom for a moment and say thank you mom for being here. Kids, if you know, cherish your parents, amen, because when you get older, you'll appreciate them a lot more. So um, so I just wanna thank you guys for being here and how many are ready to dive into the word this morning? Amen. If you can take your Bibles with me and join with me, we are going to read Psalms 51. And we're going to read a few verses here. It's going to be 7 to 17. Psalms 51, 7 to 17. It should come up on the screen. And if you're there, say amen. Oh, I'll wait. I'll wait for some time. Psalms 51, 7 to 17. So it goes like this, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. 
Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Verse 11. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves, and then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning that you've given to us just to be in your presence and to just soak into your word and to listen to what you have to speak to us. I pray that our hearts will be open to receive from you, Holy Spirit, that you will do a work in us, that you will speak through me, that my words will be your words, my mind will be your mind, Father, that there'll be no distractions and hindrances, that you will just move in such a powerful way. We just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my message today is Dangerous Prayers. And you're probably wondering, Pastor Sonia, what are you talking about? Why would you say dangerous prayers? So well, just journey with me for a moment for the next two hours and you'll, you'll find out why, okay? So how many of you have those personal prayers that you have memorized in the back of your hand? Come on. Those, those personal prayers that you have memorized. And I'm not talking about memorizing the Lord's Prayer. I'm talking about your own personal prayers that you have memorized. Okay, growing up, there used to be a priest of our church that he would pray these prayers, and without fail, he would use the same biblical reference every single time. And as kids, we would giggle and laugh because we knew it. We would, we would be anticipating, we would, we would be waiting. As he's praying, we were like, watch, he's gonna say it right now. Watch, he's gonna be saying it. And sure enough, he would say the same exact thing every single time that we prayed. And we used to laugh and giggle as kids. But after so many years, I catch myself sometimes praying those same kind of prayers. For instance, when I pray for food, okay, you know, I'll say something like, thank you, Lord, for this food, bless this food, help it to nourish our bodies, in Jesus' name, amen. And we taught our kids to pray that prayer. We wanted them to know the importance of praying for their food, so we wanted them to learn something so simple and short. And so they were so excited to pray those prayers in the beginning. They would take their time, they would say it properly. And now when I ask them to pray their prayers, they say it so fast that half the time I don't even know what they're praying. So, you know, Rizzy would be like, thank you Lord for this, in your name, amen, I'm done. I'm like, what? What did you just say, right? And what I was, as I was preparing this message, that was a reminder to me because I would pray those prayers, thank you, Lord, for this food, bless this food, as I'm about to devour a greasy cheeseburger and a loaded fries and this ice cream shake. <laughs> Think about it. What's, I'm asking that a cheeseburger and an ice cream shake nourish my body, you know? It's moments that I, it's like that, that sometimes I wanna just see the Lord's face and hear what he has to say. He's probably like, what are you praying, right? But what has happened is our prayer for the food, right, has become such a routine that it's being done just for the sake of it, and we don't realize what we are praying for. And our prayer life is similar. It has become something that we are being checked off our to-do list instead of us actually taking a moment 
to talk to our heavenly father, to thank him, to have communion with him, to do a little bit of soul searching. In the passage that we read earlier, this is when Nathan the prophet had come to David after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and the arranged murder of Uriah. So let me just kind of give you a little bit of a backstory. So David knew that he committed a sin, but he was avoiding it. He was avoiding that sin and trying to hide it, and he was trying to pretend that it didn't happen, and God sent Nathan the prophet to kind of give him a reality check and kind of let him know and kind of put that sin right in front of his face and said, boom, you got to take care of it. And it, and it didn't register to him. And he kind of told this parable about two men and, 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 you know, them stealing and everything. And David got so worked up and says, oh, let me know who that person is and I'm going to kill them. And Nathan, the prophet said, it's you. Sometimes we're so quick to judge other people in their sins and we're so quick to fix it, but we're so blinded to our own sins that we don't want to take care of it and deal with it on our own. And at that moment, God wanted to speak to David and said, it's you. You need to face your sin that you've been running away from, that you've been hiding from, that you've been pushing it aside, thinking that it's not going to come back up. And as we see in verse 51, that's when David is reminded that, oh man, I really messed up. And here he is full of guilt and shame, and he's confessing his sins before the Lord, and he's asking the Lord, Lord, to purify me, cleanse me. It says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. He knew what it felt like to not be in the presence of the Lord because he was going down that path because he was so engulfed in this sin that he didn't realize that he was away from his presence. And he goes on to say, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. He's not sitting here asking for God to save him again because it's already been done. What he's trying to tell him is he's realizing what his sin is and what his guilt is. Then he goes on to say, I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. So now he's sitting here making promises to God and saying, you know what? If you listen to my prayer, God, I will do this and do this and do this and do this for you. He's that desperate. He's that desperate for God to actually listen to his prayers. Then he goes on to say, forgive me for shedding blood, unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Because let me tell you, when you are in sin, it's very hard to praise the Lord. And so he knew that. In verse 16, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one and you do not want a burnt offering. And I want you to pay close attention to verse 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. And this verse stood out to me the most because back in, the sacrifices that were made were of animals. But here God is trying to remind us that no sacrifice of any animal will cover what we are going to face today and what we are facing today. No amount of animal sacrifices would do it until the Son of God came and made that ultimate sacrifice. And David knew that that was not gonna be enough. So David didn't sit here and pray a simple prayer of, Lord, forgive me, and then he went on his merry way. He didn't pray a simple prayer, church. He prayed a dangerous prayer. He prayed, Lord, purify me. Cleanse me, Lord. Break me, Lord. And do you know why it was dangerous? Because you know what? David didn't know how God was going to purify him. 
David didn't know how God will break him. But he was willing to take that risk because of what he did know. He knew that he messed up big time. He knew that he had fallen into moral chaos and the only way out was for him to confess his sin with a repentant heart. But not only that, he also knew that he had to ask God to do a supernatural work in his heart. David knew that through his humility and brokenness that God would not reject him and that God was the only one the only one that could make him whole again. So he prayed that prayer, and you know what? God definitely answered his prayer. How do we know that? Because David's the legacy of David is not a man with an unclean heart. That's not his legacy. What's his legacy? It's a man after God's own heart. I'm gonna repeat that. The legacy of David is not a man with an unclean heart. It's a man after God's own heart. So church, we have gotten so used to praying these same prayers every single day that God is looking at each and every one of us and asking us, are we willing to pray these dangerous prayers? And I'm only touching base on one of the prayers. If you look in the scripture, there's so many dangerous prayers that you will see. And it's all about, Lord, send me. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Search my heart and know, right? There's so many of those prayers. And this one, he prayed, Lord, purify me. Lord, break me. Make me into the person that you want, to me, want me to be. Are we willing to pray these dangerous prayers or are we wanting to play it safe and stick to our comfy little prayers that we have? Lord, bless me. Lord, protect me. Lord, protect my kids. Lord, help me get this job. Lord, Lord, protect my family. Lord, help me get this car. Lord, give me financial blessing. Lord, remove this pimple from my face before this event. You know, think about it for a moment. And I'm not discounting those prayers, okay? Don't get me wrong. Those prayers, some of those prayers, okay, not all. Some of those prayers are important, right? Praying for your children praying for protection, praying for your house and seeing financial breakthrough. All of those things are important. But God is wanting us to go deeper, okay? He's wanting us to go deeper in our walk with him and he wants to reveal things in our lives that wouldn't come out unless we are willing to be brought out of our comfort zone and willing to be broken, and what does it mean to be broken? In the dictionary, it means having, having been fractured or damaged and no longer in one piece or in working order. What the world tries to tell us is that once you're broken, you can't be used. But the scripture says something different. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Because you know what? When you're broken, you're the closest to God. And I often think um, about that song, Refiner, by Maverick City. How many of you know that song, right? Um, the chorus goes, I wanna be tried by fire. Oh yeah, y'all sing it. Purified, you take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. So man, I loved that song. When it came out, I was singing that song pretty frequently. You know, I loved the tune of it. I loved how it sounded, and I was singing it. And until one day when I was singing it, it hit me. And I thought about what I was really singing, okay? 
So it's like, I want to be tried by fire. Well, wait a minute. So do you really want to be tried by fire here? I could actually really ask the Holy Spirit, like, do you really want to be tried by fire? Because I can answer that prayer. And I was like, mm, nope, I don't want to get burned. Right? And then it's like, purified, you take whatever you desire. Mm, wait a minute. Okay, you could take that. Mm, don't take that. Mm, not that over there. Mm, you can't take that. Oh, yeah, you could take that. You could take them. You could take them. You could take him. Yeah. Right? Like, we picking and choosing which one. Take whatever you do. Yeah, right? Lord, here's my life. Mm, well, God, I have certain things on my list that I want to accomplish, right? I want to have this job. I want to get married. I want to have this, you know, this education and do all this. You know, I have this bucket list. I want to go here. I want to travel. I want to do it. So maybe when I'm about 80 years old, you can, you can uh, take my life and I can fully surrender. Right, if we really digested what we sang during worship song, are we really gonna be singing those songs? So trust me when I say, I haven't sang that song in a very good minute, okay? I haven't sang that song because it's scary. It's scary to sit here and say, you wanna be purified and tried by fire. So, because you always hear that, 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 that statement or that phrase, be careful what you ask for because you're definitely gonna get it. And God will definitely answer those prayers. And I didn't want to sing a worship song if I didn't truly mean it. And there's a lot of those songs that we sing today, I surrender all. Are you willing to surrender it all? If you're not, keep your mouth shut. Because before you know it, God is going to test that to see, are you willing to surrender it all? Or are you just worthing some words just to sing it? And you'll wonder why you're going through some heartache and struggles and seasons in life because maybe you prayed those prayers or saying, Lord, purify me, cleanse me. Okay, but do it in a nice way. You know, you know what I mean? But God has his way of doing things. And so if we can't even sing a worship song that we truly mean, how are we able to pray a prayer that says, Lord, break me? Because who, who really in the right mind wants to be broken? Who really wants to sacrifice? Who really wants to be purified? Who really wants to, you know, give it their all? If I could avoid being hurt in life, if I could avoid going through heartache, right? If I could avoid, you know, all of those things and have an easy life, who wouldn't want to do that? It's a natural, natural feeling, right? I mean, if somebody came up to you and says, you know, I don't want to have an easy life. I want to have it rough, right? No, I want to be broken. I want to be stressed. I want to be beat up. I want to be torn up. I'm pretty sure you'll look at that person and say, there's something wrong with you, right? But we are reminded that God didn't promise an easy life. We're reminded that he didn't promise an easy life if we wanted to follow him. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me, okay? Give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. In other words, we are to die to our flesh, our pride, our self-sufficiency, our selfish desires, our tendencies that are prompted by the worldly pleasures and our sins. We were to die to those things. 
And Jesus didn't say that we had to do those things seasonal when it was like a special holiday, like Christmas or Easter when everybody floods the church, right? Or I, I would even go as far as once a week on a Sunday. But Jesus said daily. He said, take up your cross daily. It was a mandate for every believer. And it was repeated pretty frequently in the, in the scriptures, you would see. It was repeated really frequently because he wanted us to know how important it is to take up this cross daily, to die to ourselves, to die to our selfish desires and our sinful nature because he knew if we didn't do that, it would overcome us. A problem that we see today in church is that many are satisfied living life like they have always been even after becoming a believer. Oh, okay. And, and, and John Stott put it this way, they have allowed themselves to become somewhat involved, enough to be respectable, but not enough to be uncomfortable. So pretty much what he's saying is that, is that you will get involved in church just enough to be recognized and say, I go to church, but you're not enough to be uncomfortable. Their religion is a great soft cushion. It protects them from the hard unpleasantness of life while changing its place and shape to suit their convenience. <laughs> he told it like it is. And I know I'm stepping on some toes here, but I was wrestling with the Lord this week and I was like, Lord, do you really want me to speak this? And he said, yeah. Because he knows what we need to hear. And sometimes the truth hurts. We've gotten so comfortable, church, and when anything becomes uncomfortable, we decide to run away from it. And some of us have this box that we have, and we want God to work within that little box, right? We have our life, and we're like, God, work in this thing, right? God, I'm going to give you this much. Can you work within that much? But that's not how God works. He doesn't work that way. It's only through, through true repentance and brokenness that we can experience the transforming power of his grace and mercy. True repentance and brokenness. Not partial, not some of it, but all of us. We can't experience this true transformation. We can't experience this, this true restoration if we're not willing to let go. You know, when that women in, uh, woman in Bethany came uh, to Jesus with that alabaster jar, how many of you know that story? And it was of very expensive perfume, right? And she took that jar and she broke it and she poured it on Jesus, right? It was a, symboli a symbolization of her giving her best. It was a symbolization of her giving her all because one thing that you have to know about the alabaster jar, it's made of you know, a specific stone. And back then it was sealed to maintain the fragrance of the perfume. So they sealed it. So it's a very big bottle. I, didn't, I don't have a picture of it. It's a very big bottle which a, with a narrow neck and they would seal it to keep in that fragrance. They didn't want that fragrance to escape. But in order to use that fragrance, you had to break the neck of that bottle to pour it right? But once you break it, 
There's no turning back. You couldn't close it back up and save it for later. Like when you broke it and used it, you used it all. You used all of it at that moment. Not just some of it, all of it. So this woman here is willing to deny herself of that most valuable possession that she had. And they were saying that that was pretty expensive. I was reading on it and I was like, well, that's too much details. But it was saying it was worth you know, a certain amount of dollars in today's time. And it was that valuable. But she was willing to give Jesus her everything because she knew that what she had in her hand was nothing compared to what Jesus could do for her. And the funny thing is that the people around her thought it was a waste. Why would you do that? Why would you waste that on, on, and they knew who Jesus was. That's the funny part. They knew who Jesus was, but yet they were sitting here worried about their material things instead of their internal blessings. And they were sitting here saying, why would you waste that and getting kind of upset with it? You could have sold that in the market and made twice as much and, 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 and what she didn't realize is that she was preparing Jesus for, her, for his burial. I don't think she knew that, but she was anointing Jesus before he was being crucified on the cross. So how many of us could sit here and say, are you willing to give what is precious to you? And not just a part that you're holding on in that little jar of yours or whatever container that you're holding on to, but are you willing to say, I'm willing to let it go and give it all to Jesus because I know what, what he matters to me is greater than what I'm holding on to. I have this little stick here. Does anybody know what this is? Anybody know what it is? A glow stick, yeah. It looks pr pretty plain, right? Pretty mediocre, nothing fancy about it, nothing great about it. What's the, what's the purpose of a glow stick? To glow. <laughs> to glow, yeah. To give light, okay. To party with it, right? But would you party with something like this, just holding it like this? Yeah, you would, you would? The party alley? Are you using its purpose? What do you have to do for, for you to use its purpose? What do you have to do? You have to break it. Okay. Oh, you see something happening? Okay, but do you only have to break it once? Okay. Okay, that's like three more times. Do I need to continue? Oh, that sounds like somebody's back breaking, <laughs> right? And it keeps breaking and it keeps breaking and breaking until you can't break it anymore. And as you can see, I don't think you could see it very clear. Maybe if we turn off the light, but we don't have to do that. There's a blue liquid coming out of it as you break it. And sometimes you have to shake it up, right? See, you gotta shake it up to start going everywhere. So it won't stay in one place. It has to spread. And with this, when you use it, in dark places, the light come out. And you can use it as a light. And something as simple as this glow stick, 
It's broken and shaken for what, what's inside to come out. And sometimes it's through our brokenness that we can see what our purpose is. It's through our brokenness that that light that's inside of us can come out to the dark areas around us, the people that are around us. And sometimes it requires us to be broken and shaken. And it won't come out unless we are broken and shaken. It won't shine unless you are broken and shaken. You can't draw near to God unless you are broken and shaken. You won't rely on God unless you're broken and shaken. Your dependency on God won't be there unless you don't have anything else left. So guys, just as much as we say, whew, it's a dangerous thing to pray for. Brokenness is a beautiful thing because of how God can use it in our lives. And like I said earlier, it's something that draws us near him because when it's in our moment of brokenness, we're making room for his spirit to reside in our heart. So whatever is inside our heart that's taking up that space, when you're allowing God to remove those things, you're removing that, making space for him to come in and do a work inside of us. And during this 21-day fast, I didn't even think about it, but I was really... The 21-day fast was different for me because, like I mentioned a few of you, I usually have a, a list that I'm praying for, which is important because sometimes an answer to prayer comes through, you know, prayer and fasting. But this time around, I didn't want that list to be my focus. I wanted my focus to be Jesus because I knew I needed him. And I was telling somebody that this time around during that 21-day fast was different because I was not so focused on seeing an answer to that prayer on that prayer list. I tend to get so focused on what I'm praying for. But instead, I was so fixated on Jesus and just hearing from God and hearing his voice because I knew once I heard his voice, that's all I needed. And during the 21-day fast, I saw myself asking the Lord to purify me. I don't know why. I was asking God, purify me, cleanse me, you know, make me right before you, just do a work in me, remove everything, and boy, he did. I was weeping like a baby every single day. But as I look back, it was something that I needed, even though I didn't know I needed it. He was doing a work inside of me that I didn't know I needed. But he was not gonna force that on me. I had to be willing to be broken. I had to be willing to be purified and I had to ask that, Lord, break me. Lord, purify me. Lord, do a work in me. Sometimes it takes a step of us to admit when we need Jesus. You know, and sometimes when we were praying those prayers during the 21-day fast, we were praying God for a revival. God, move and, and do this and do the Holy Spirit. And that was, that's even to this day, Pastor and I's desire is not only to talk about the Holy Spirit, but to also see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which is the infilling of the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us for the church. But for the Holy Spirit to reside in us, to infill us with his spirit, we got to take care of what's in our heart. I don't know why I got loud there. I think I was passionate. We got to take care of what's in our heart. And sometimes that brokenness 
can bring revival that we're praying for. Because to revive this nation, to revive this city, to revive this church, it starts with you, 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 you. Because guys, this church is not the building. The church is the body. And for the church to be revived, we all need to be revived. We all need to be broken. We all need to be fixed. We're a bunch of imperfect people. But that's what makes, us, what makes it great because we don't have to have it all together. Because he has it all together. Jesus has it all together. And we need to rely on him and not on our own understanding. So when I think about that prayer, if worship team can come up on stage. If I can think about that prayer, Lord, break me. I don't think about, you know, all the things that I just talked about, about the dangerousness of it and the risk of it. I don't think about all that. Because now what I think about is what Christ did for me. That's what I think about. All I could think about when I was preparing this message is what he did for me, all the pain that he endured for me. How could I not sacrifice my comfortability for that? He loved me before I was formed. He knew me even before I was born. He died for me even before I was born. How could I not sacrifice my comfortability? How could I not sacrifice my selfish desires? How could I not sacrifice my self-sufficiency because of a little bit of comfort? It wasn't comfortable on that cross. It's in these moments of humility and brokenness that we, church, can have fully experience the grace of God. The grace of God. And it's not to take the grace of God for granted. It's not. But it's a place where when we come with humility and brokenness, that we're sitting here saying, God, we need you. We can't do it without you. We're messed up. We're hurting. And only you can fix what you can fix. But it starts with that moment of surrender and saying, God, I need you to break me. Only then can God do a recreation of a clean heart. He's not gonna create a new heart unless you're willing to be broken. And David didn't ask to God to reform something. He didn't ask God to just take the sins out of his heart. He asked God for a new creation, a new heart, because he knew that the stuff that he had needed to be gone. And God was the only one that could create something out of nothing. It's in our moments of humility and brokenness that our faith increases in our walk with the Lord the uncertainty, the risk that we don't know. It's our faith because we're depending on God. Because we're putting away things in our lives that does not belong. Sometimes we're holding on to those things because that's our security blanket. But God is asking us, are you secure in me and not in that? Are you willing to let that go and trust me in the process? There's this um, thing called, and I probably butcher the name, 
It's called Kitsugi. I don't know if y'all heard it. Um, Kitsugi is the art of repairing something that has been broken with gold. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a, a pottery. There's a few people that are shaking heads. I should have showed a picture of it. But so what they'll do is, if there's something that's broken, like if it's a ceramic plate or a pottery or a vase, and it's broken and shattered into pieces, what they'll do is that they'll put it back together. But not only that, they'll paint those lines that's broken with gold. And it has that understanding that the object is more beautiful because it has been broken. And, and God is looking at us and saying, although you are broken, you're still beautiful. And the pieces that we have shattered all over the place, it doesn't matter because he can put those pieces back together. And it's even more beautiful than what it was before. Through our weakness, through our shame, through our sinfulness. God in his infinite mercy sees something in us beautiful. When we ourselves feel so ashamed and hurt and think that we are not able or not you know, worthy to serve God or be in his presence. But God is saying, no, 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 no. You are beautiful because I have formed you, I have created you, and you are not a mistake. You are not an accident. I called you by name. And you are his son and you are his daughter. Before anything else, just like we heard before, before your title of your job, before you are a student, before you are a nurse or whatever it is, you are a daughter and you are a son. You are his. And he's calling us today and saying, come to me, all who are broken, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will be there for you. I will comfort you. But you have to be willing to say, Lord, break me. Get rid of the things that are in my life that are holding me back from you from having that full communion with you, from having that full surrender to, with you, to have that full relationship with you. Because church, let me tell you, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy you more than Jesus can. It's temporary. And what you're holding on to is temporary. But what he has is eternal. It has eternal joy, eternal peace, and eternal love, and a eternal worth and value. What this world cannot give you is more, not even, it can't even amount to what he can give you. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.